Today on episode five of Off the Floor, I'm interviewing Mike Lee. His Instagram and Twitter handle is who is Mike Lee, and we're gonna answer that question and a lot more on today's episode of Off the Floor. What happens when you combine business, pop culture, and at least five analogies to ballroom dancing? You get Off the Floor, a podcast to help you get to that next step in your career or your tango. Here's our host, Chris Lynham. But I've been in the basketball world, actually, for the past 12 years. Um, have, a, have a basketball training company that works with middle school through NBA players. We run camps all across the United States and um, have done stuff overseas as well. I got started with that. Basically, I started a, a camp in my hometown, my sophomore year in college with a friend of mine. And it just kind of grew every year that grew from you know, one camp to a few camps to uh, a club program to uh, having our own like training academy in Milwaukee. And um, it's just kind of grown from there pretty much every year. The other piece of that is I am starting a speaking career to teach mindfulness and emotional intelligence. Uh, About three years ago, I decided to go off of uh, an antidepressant medication that I was on for 14 years. And getting off of it was extremely comparable to getting off of heroin. Had um, an experience in Seattle. I was in my hotel room, just like sweating through my sheets, completely nauseous and having this like crazy out of body experience. And that's when I knew like how bad these drugs were that I was on. Yeah. And um, finally, by the end of the weekend, I realized I was going through withdrawal. And that's what really led me to needing to pick up a, a mindfulness practice. I think I'm going to be able to make a much, much bigger impact uh, on people. Well, that's incredible. I mean, that's uh, that's one of those things when you see such a that influx of all of those prescription ads on TV and you don't really see the other side of it. And it uh, sounds like you just pulled your way through it. Was that kind of like the catalyst to then kind of go for it? And because you've written a book too, right? The Untrained. Yeah, so Untrained really came about uh, from... From the, from the meditation practice and what I basically what happened was I started uh, meditating, implementing a mindfulness practice. And what I realized was that all of these principles that I've used to build businesses, to develop relationships, to lead people, to influence people, to you know help people reach a state of peak performance or flow state, all were amplified when you had a mindfulness practice. And I kind of tied those two together. And that's when I decided to write the book. So I knew like writing the book, well, I didn't know. I was hoping writing the book would uh, be able to reach people on that level, you know, share some of that story and just kind of open a dialogue around it. Uh, That was a part of it. And then how these mindfulness principles can take your, you know, your business to another level, your leadership to another level, your performance in, you know, sports and business and life to another level. And, uh, you know, overall, just like create a better quality of life. That's great. So now do you feel like the mindfulness, the adoption of that and, and, and being so committed to it, do you feel like that was triggered through the basketball, you know, in sports? And was it the, the medication thing that kind of like amplified it? Well, the, the real the real background is I started practicing 
basically I was, I was building a nonprofit for inner city at risk kids with uh, a girl that I used to date. And it was, you know, an insanely stressful thing to do. I got to a point during that where I just exercise wasn't cutting it for me anymore. And I was listening to a podcast. I think it was the good life project with Jonathan Fields. And he was talking about uh, the benefits of hot yoga and how much, you know, the detox and the benefits of stress. And I was like, all right, I need to try something else. And it was like 15 degrees in the middle of January in Milwaukee and I found a uh, found a high yoga studio that was like a few blocks from my condo and I went to the class and I was like addicted like I was it was just like this is 100% what I need like a lot of people they use uh, meditation as a reactive tool to kind of combat stress versus using it as a proactive Mm -hmm. practice that kind of grounds you to start your day versus using it as something to calm you down once something shows up in your day. So the only way that I could stay present and felt like I had any sort of control in my life, which I've learned through this whole process that control is a total illusion, was through a consistent uh, meditation and yoga practice. It was the only thing that kept me sane. I never even thought about yoga in that way. I think that's that's such a great point. You have to value it though. You know, if you don't, if you don't value it, you're not going to do it. Yeah. It's got to be something that it's almost, I feel like it's almost like you got to get to, you got to be pulled either by like a vision or a goal. And you know that this is going to be a practice that is going to be able to help you achieve that. Or you have to be pulled by pain so deep that it makes you want to change. Oh, that's, that's so good. You know, when you mentioned basketball, I'm a former basketball player. And then when you talked that. about, yeah. And so when you mentioned the thing about the focus and just goes way beyond just visualizing free throws going in. But I want to ask you about that camp. What was the impetus to start the camp? Like, you know, that first one that you did, what prompted all that? Was it just a spur of the moment thing or like, how did that all come about? Well, I grew up in a super small town and we just kind of wanted to provide kids in the in the area an opportunity to you know, have a great basketball experience. It's a, you know, basically where I grew up is three hours at that time because the roads were, you know, we didn't have four lane roads uh, on the whole trip there, but to Milwaukee to a city like Minneapolis, you know, those are four hour trips to be able to get any like super quality like basketball instruction. Hmm. And, um, you know, we wanted to bring an experience to uh, to my own town. And I did it with a couple of the people there. Putting that together, any any surprising, like funny things that happened as you kind of assembled the events? I think we got lucky. I think we had some really good people helping out. And I think it was great timing. So when we first started, I mean, we had over 100 kids at the first camp that Wow. That we ran. And that was, you know, in a, in a town of 15,000 people. That's so, you know, and by the third year we had over 300 kids there. The barrier to entry was so low. There was nobody else doing anything. Hmm. You know, it was a small town. We created a great experience. You know, maybe, I think maybe there was just nobody else doing it. And that was, (laughs) that was why everybody came. (laughs) So I don't know. Good for you. And that's, that is so cool. So now how did that scale out? Like, was that a pretty rapid transition or was it just kind of steady and how'd that all transpire? The the biggest thing that we did was 
we were definitely first movers on Twitter and YouTube. Those things definitely helped us out tremendously when we first started. Not even because that our content was that great, is that nobody else is doing it. So, like from an NBA standpoint, I, so are you a Bucks fan, or did you, uh, or are you like a Timberwolves guy, or who did you follow? Uh, growing up, I was definitely a Bulls fan. Oh, cool. Uh, the Bucks were awful. <laughs> I fell in love with the Bulls during the '91 Finals. Oh, yeah. uh, that's really when I fell in love with it. I mean, we didn't have cable growing up till I was a freshman in high school. So ironically, the only games that I really watched growing up where we'd have some NBA games on was I watched the Bulls all the time because my grandparents had WGN and that's uh, Chicago, one of the Chicago station and they used to broadcast all the Bulls games. Oh, that's cool. So that was kind of a thing was to go watch the Bulls and Jordan with my grandpa back in the day. Did you play a lot like growing up? Did you play in high school and in college or anything like that? Uh, high school and a little bit in college. It's a long story, but left the team after middle of my junior year, came back and then was coaching. I coached like the last year of school. Um, oh, cool. And then started the basketball club at the same time. Oh, that's awesome. So like, you know, everybody, you know, in any coaching kind of industry, isn't it crazy how much more you can see when you're, you don't have the pressure and the stress of actually playing? Like, don't you feel so much smarter when you're on the other end of it and you're not like out there? Yeah, I mean, I think it gives you, it just, you have a different perspective. And I think that's why for anyone in any sort of like high performance field, whether it's sports or it's like dance or art or music or anything like that, having a, a mindfulness practice, it can be such a benefit to that because it creates such a higher level of self-awareness and social awareness. Oh yeah. I can totally attest to that. We had a bad wake up call performance and it was a local competition. And so we just decided we would just drive over. So we drove from the East Bay over to San Francisco and we show up and we are dancing within an hour and we got our butts kicked. What do you think could be like a good entry point that wouldn't really take a huge shift, but might just start the ball rolling? Well, a couple of things. You can't think your way into flow state, right? The flow state is a natural byproduct of doing something to get out of your head, out of your thinking and into the experience. That's great. Uh, in sports all the time, coaches are like yelling at kids to focus, <laughs> yelling at their players to focus. It's like, how does that actually help? Right. Like what you have to be locked in on the process. It's like telling somebody, you know, in your world, dance, you yeah. dance. Or try yeah. harder. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, the Navy SEALs have their saying that you never rise to the occasion, you default to the level of your training. And that's what's going to happen when you get into the present moment. So, you know, whatever you can do to get there, that's what's going to give you the ability to perform at your highest level. Oh, that's awesome. You've dropped some great nuggets that I think that really transpose over to what we do. And as a side note, like we do our dance competitions, we treat it almost like logging minutes to get your power pilot's license. And so we do them as like okay. training, training exercises for really, we always talk about everyone has like their most important audience. And the idea, I love what you just said about the Navy SEAL thing and you fall to the level of your training and any of the coaching that you do is worthless if they can't do it when the pressure's on. So I think if you've got a basketball background and all this mindful 
mindset coaching, uh, we could teach you to dance like a rock star, just as a side note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only the only dance that I've actually done is uh, five rhythms and ecstatic dance. <laughs> so give me an idea. That's my, my experience. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I want to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions and we'll wrap it up. Now it's time for rapid fire questions so the first one is uh what is your comfort food my comfort food that's a good question i would have to say i mean it kind of depends but i would would have to say let's go vegan ice cream is it is it pretty tasty uh yeah you gotta get the right stuff if you get you know you get some stuff that's awful but you gotta get the right stuff there's a brand called natamu that uh is really really good it's all like coconut and almond milk Oh, cool. That's cool. Okay. <laughs> Who, give me a player or two in the NBA that you feel like they really have got a great regimen, like they're able to get to that flow state that you really feel like they've got it together. Uh, well, he doesn't play anymore, but uh, Kobe Bryant was one of them. No shocker. He had like a daily meditation practice for like 20 years. He still does. Oh, cool. The one thing about Kobe is that nobody ever sped him up. Like, you could not speed him up. He was always playing at his own pace. And I think that's because he was so in the moment, so locked in and so present. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know, like, the actual, like, routines of some of these guys. But I know, like, some of their general practices. I know Steph. I, I would say Steph Curry. And, and the reason I say Steph is, you know, people look at his skill set and they look at his, you know, the plays that he makes on sports center and stuff mm-hmm. and two things that Steph does that give him the ability to play like that are number one he does have a mindfulness practice but I think the, the biggest thing is that Steph also plays with a tremendous amount of gratitude and that gratitude puts him in a state of joy and a state of happiness and so he loves playing the game and when you love playing something when you love doing something being present is a that is a byproduct of that and the other thing that I think gives him the ability to perform at the level that he does and take some of the crazy shots that he takes is that he doesn't define his self-worth by his basketball performance. Yeah. When he walks off the court, whether he shoots nine for 10 for the three-point line or one for 10 for the three-point line, he still feels the same way about himself. So that in and of itself takes so much of the pressure off him to perform that he just goes out and plays. And not a lot of guys are able to do that so many I think that is like one of the number one challenges with peak performers in any industry is they attach their self-worth and how they feel about themselves to their performance you know on the dance floor on the basketball court you know on the stage and that in and of itself is can be so crippling because you're never going to be at your best all the time and then you know you're always chasing the next thing I think that that gives step the ability to perform at his highest level above anything else. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you brought him up because I, you know, I think, uh, you know, just following him and seeing the trajectory of his career and you nailed it, like that he plays with gratitude and emits this joy that really does resonate. You know, I played with guys that were so intense about so many small things and you, you just don't see that with someone like Steph, that he's intense when he needs to be, but it's not, it's not an act, you know? So I think that was a great one. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So, uh, uh, who would be somebody, um, maybe let's say somebody in the NBA right now, maybe they've got a lot of the talent, but they just don't have, they don't have the routine.
team that you feel like you could give them? Uh, actually, a guy from the Bucks, uh, Giannis. I think um, we've actually tried to work with him for, oh. since he's been since he's been there. Cool. Um, I mean, his his potential is through the roof, and I don't think he's even close to to getting to where he is. I mean, he's obviously like playing extremely well, but he's uh, you know he can pee unbelievably. He's be one of the best players of all time. Did you see him in the All Star game last last season? He was like trying to murder people. He was playing so hard. Everyone's trying to play like a lazy pickup game, and he was just just brought the fire right yeah i mean he's he's uh he's something else so what's next for you like give me the um like what are you prepping for like you talked about you know you're really repositioning to do you know more speaking engagements and things like that like how's that looking and what can we see from you next right now i am you know just building out content nothing sexy it's just <laughs> put it in the work every day put it in the work and put it in the work and put it in the work and, you know, just try, I'm trying to speak at as many places as, as I possibly can in the next like 12 months and let the, you know, chips fall where, where they will. So that's kind of, kind of where I'm at as far as that goes. I know I got to get like 10,000 hours in and you know, go from there. Good for you. That's a great outliers reference there. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's true or not, it's, you know, there's some truth to it. So. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I, I once went to a conference, specifically to see Malcolm Gladwell and then I showed up and it was the wrong day and I went back the following day and then I missed the conference I missed his he did the keynote early in the morning because they moved the schedule around so uh, like, but yeah that's a fantastic book though I love that right. well Mike it's been a pleasure getting a chance to chat with you and get to know your story I think that you know there's so many things that map over to, to our audience in terms of what they can take from it whether it's people that are interested in like competitive dancing or just people that want to like you said prepare their next, you know, pitch deck at that big board meeting. And, and I think that, you know, I, I love what you said that you have to have a routine and there's so many things that, that are outside your control. And I think that what you're talking about is so great because it's, it's doubling down on the things that you can control. And I think that's fantastic, man. Well, thank you so much. Good Thanks one, man. Much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Right, you, you know, adversity is going to strike and it's all about how you respond to it. Sometimes that adversity is coming in the form of starting something for the very first time that no one else had the courage to start, like what Mike did with that basketball program. And then later on, I'm sure he's utilizing all those same tools to be able to overcome some of the things that he's dealt with personally. And now he's getting a chance to use his platform and also the lessons that he's learned to help other people. I hope you enjoyed this episode and look out for more content just like this on Off the Floor.